Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. While most college students are trying to figure out their first job, or if they're even moving back home with mom and dad, Jenna Irvin was interviewing to open a Pure Bar franchise. At just 21 years of age, she opened a location in Maryland and doubled her investment in just 10 months, funding the purchase of her current business in Hilton Head Island. You're going to love her infectious energy and tenacious attitude as a young entrepreneur. In this episode, you'll learn what initially attracted Jenna to the Pure Bar technique, which she had to explain exactly what it was all about for me, two key ways her parents set her up to win as an entrepreneur, how she attracts most of her clients at Pure Bar Hilton Head Island, and how she holds space for women to step into all they are. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Jenna Irvin. Thanks so much for taking some time to hang with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. How did you become interested in Pure Bar to begin with? I found the technique when I was in college. I had always been a basketball player growing up and I'm six foot one. And so graceful was like not a term that I would use to describe myself by any means. Um, but I didn't play basketball in college. So I was kind of looking for something different and something that was going to keep me active. So that's a really big part of my life. And I found the technique and I was terrible at it. My first class was <laughs> a very interesting experience, but I was determined to figure it out. And it was the first workout where I didn't feel like I was in competition with anybody else. I wasn't focused on my body or hyper-focused on anything except for the technique and kind of connecting my mind to my muscles. And that was a new experience for me because as a tall woman, um, insecurity was a really big thing for me. And so finding a place where that was absent was just, honestly, it felt magical. And so I kind of dove into it in college, fell in love with it. I became good friends with the owner and started to talk about the business side of things. And I decided to apply to be a franchisee during my senior year of college. So um, I'm only 23 now, but I was 20 when I became an owner. And I kind of did like that real estate process while I was finishing school. And I was just sure that it was um, it was something that I wanted to share. And it just felt, felt very right to me for that to be my first step into the professional world. So, wow. Okay. I want to yeah. back up for just a minute because you, say, yeah. you keep using this word technique. I've never been to a pure bar class. I have friends that go, I'm six foot five. Okay. I know, I know it's mainly a, <laughs> Love a it. kind of a, a woman thing. I know guys do it, but it's mainly a female thing. Yeah. Sell me on it. Why should I take a class? What is it all about? So I actually think it's really great for men. I wish we had more male clients because it works muscles that like we all should, like we kind of don't know we have until we do this, this workout, but it's very small and isometric. So it's low impact. And it's one of the very few workouts on the market where you're really focused on each muscle group and you're going to see results, but without that high impact that you get when you lift weights and do all of that, it's, um, it kind of removes that impact from the work. And it also, you do everything to music. So whether you've taken one class or a thousand classes, you're able to be in the same room together, which is a really cool thing because how deep you work in the position determines how challenging the class is for you. So I like that there isn't like levels. You don't feel like, like you're a beginner. You just kind of all fit into one. But I think the best part about it is the fact that you are able to see such big results from such small ranges of motion and that it's really great 
I mean, I have clients that are 18 years old and clients that are 85 years old. So it's just kind of a beautiful thing to see it span across so many levels because that's really hard for a fitness technique to do. Get detailed with it though. There's an actual bar on the wall. Yes, there is. And yes. What do you, I mean, I'm just envisioning myself trying to put my foot up on that thing and just fall. Yeah. And, and, like, that, and everybody kind of thinks that I feel like it's, it kind of gets the ballet vibe. Um, and I'm not a dancer. I've never been a dancer and I would not relate it to dance in any way. I think that the flexibility and the gracefulness comes a little bit, which I think is a huge part of dancing. But as far as like, it's not a choreographed dance. Um, it's more strength movement. And the best way I can describe it is you're focusing on the contraction. So if you're curling your bicep, you're focusing on squeezing your bicep and whatever movement happens from that squeeze is the reaction to the contraction. So unlike a lot of other workouts where you're focused on the big range, it's more how tight can I squeeze this muscle? And then the movement just kind of happens naturally. And that isn't your focus. Um, so it's kind of like backwards thinking. It takes like five to seven classes for you to be like, oh, this is like where I'm supposed to be feeling it and how I'm supposed to be doing it. Um, and we just kind of call that like the magic point because once you find that, everything else kind of flows. So Very fun. Well, obviously there's a yeah. difference between going to classes in college and actually opening a franchise location. What was it about this that you, you know, you said a few minutes ago, this felt like the first step that I wanted to take into the working world. Like what was it about opening a franchise that really attracted you? Um, you know, my parents are business owners. I, they, they don't own a franchise. It's a family owned company, but I grew up with that mindset. So I think the being a business owner thing didn't scare me. Um, but on the other hand, I never really saw myself owning a franchise. I, what I liked about Pure Bar is we also double as a high-end retail boutique. So it's two incomes underneath one roof, which is huge. Um, and so that to me was kind of like, the biggest um, plus, I think, is that I was able to kind of do both sides. And I was also connected enough to know the numbers and know what the studio was able to produce and kind of the revenue. I had a good guesstimate. So it felt like a safe financial choice at the time. too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you say safe financial choice, but I'm envisioning you're a college senior. Like how did you... <laughs> Uh, you know, and you don't have to get into the details if you don't want yeah. to, but yeah, people like details. Like, how did you pull this off financially? Did you have income saved or like, you know what I mean? How does that work? Yeah. Well, I'm a pretty open person. I, I believe in order to connect, we have to be vulnerable. So, um, I was grateful in the respect that I had investment money. So I had money that was invested in stocks that had been in that in stocks since I was a little girl. Um, it was money that I, you know, couldn't touch until I graduated college. So that was what funded the initial investment. There was a, about enough in that to open a location. It was still a very scary choice because when you're when you're that age and there's there's that amount of money, I could have used it for a lot of things. So taking the take the making the decision to invest it in myself was uh, scary, but I also felt as though it was the right time to make that decision because I didn't have anyone depending on me except for me. So I felt as though if I failed, I was only failing myself. So I think that mm. helped my mindset a little bit um, in taking the lead, both financially and otherwise. What's interesting that you've said is two big things that set you up to win, I'm looking at is one, your parents were already business owners. What kind of business do they own, if you don't mind? No, not at all. They own a cabinet and millworking company in Pennsylvania called Fine Line Cabinets. 
Okay. So that you already had that background of kind of this entrepreneurial, like I could own a business kind of thing, which a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people don't have. Like I didn't grow up with that. Like my parents were steady eight to five. My dad worked for the government for, you know, his whole life. My mom was uh, like an administrative assistant or worked in banking and loans. I mean, that is just like, that's a huge gift to have that. And then the second thing is that your parents or family had set you up to win with some investments early on. So, I mean, you had two things going for you that were definitely powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's something, you know, a lot of our listeners are, you know, probably old enough to be your mom. uh, (laughs) And so that's something for them to think about, you know, and for us to think about, like, how do we set our kids up to win so that they, they have these opportunities that they may or may not take advantage of. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Man, that is so powerful. Now, what did your parents, how are they, you know, their input as you were going into this process? Were they cheering you on? Were they nervous? Were they coaching you? Did you even invite them into the conversation? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyone who knows my dad knows there, there's no conversation he isn't invited into. But um, I think that they were vital and they still are. I I think that having a strong support system, whether it's your family or your friends or a mentor is extremely important, whether you open a business at 23 or at 43, but they were a huge support. My parents have somehow mastered, and I hope someday for my children that I can do the same, the ability to be a safe space to fall, but also they have always given us the courage to kind of soar into the things that our heart wants. Um, and they never made anything feel out of reach. I mean, they'll have very realistic conversations, but it was never how they worded things was so important because it was never, you can't do this. Um, it was, well, let's talk about it from this perspective or, you know, think about it from this way. It was like, they kind of got us to think through the process on our own with guided help instead of like, there's no way you're going to do that. You know? And I think that those, those words and the way that they went about it were really powerful. I think that my dad had a lot of fear. I, I know my mom did. I, I would believe that my dad did too, because I think, um, you know, the investment money was not from my parents. And so I think that they were um, hesitant to let me kind of jump right in to this, this venture. My dad uh, felt that I could do anything. You know, he's like, you can get a job, you can apply to any company you want to apply to. And, you know, so I think he definitely came at it from a realistic perspective. And um, he was a huge help in building out my studio. So he made a time investment as well as a financial one in, um, in helping me get to where my studio was open. Um, but I think once I made the decision to go all in, they decided to make the decision to support me. And I'm so, so grateful for that. <laughs> That's awesome. What is, yeah. As you think back to that first year, and this, this um, studio was in Pennsylvania, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Well, no, no, sorry. I'm from Pennsylvania. My first studio was in Maryland. It was in Maryland. Okay. Yes. And so um, that studio, the first year, the biggest challenges that you face, like walk me through that because this isn't just, hey, you're showing up to teach classes. Like you've got to be thinking about, like you said, real uh, retail space, real estate, um, building it out, the, the, the numbers, the marketing. I mean, my goodness, there's so many facets. Like what were some of the biggest challenges for you? Yeah. And I will say, I think um, financially, I was so blessed in the sense that I I had that initial investment. However, because I didn't go the route of taking a loan from a bank, I didn't have any working capital. So I opened my doors with literally $400 in my bank account. Um, so I just like, I didn't, because I didn't go the loan route, I didn't get to say like, oh, I think I need 30,000 of working capital. Extra padding. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't really have 
like I had the comfort in the sense of like, okay, I don't have a loan payment, but I also didn't have like this, this nest egg of like, okay, well, if I make no money this first month, I'll be okay. Um, and so I think financially that was a huge challenge for me. And, you know, I have parents that always catch me when I fall. However, I think anybody who has parents like that, it almost makes you never want to have to ask for it because you're so grateful that they're that level of support that you don't ever want to have to lean on them because they've already given me so much. And so, you know, I knew in the back of my mind, like, yes, they'll be there, but that was not something that I wanted to rest into because I, I wanted this to be successful. So navigating that money mindset in the beginning, um, was huge. And it's, I mean, it still is, I think money is something that we, we work through and it ebbs and flows as we evolve. But, um, that was definitely a huge challenge for me. And also just being in a town that I had really only been to a few times, um, I didn't know anyone. And so making those connections with local businesses and finding the right people and, um, marketing from a place that was like telling my story so that people would connect to me and connect to my why behind what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing that in a town you've never really been to is, is a challenge for sure. And, and why, <laughs> and why did you choose that location? Obviously that was a, a place that was available in terms of the franchise, but like why yes. Maryland? Um, my original, my original decision when I first applied to be an owner was for state college, Pennsylvania, which is close to my hometown. Um, state college has very little real estate available, at least it did at the time that I was searching. And so it was looking like it was going to be a one to two year wait if I decided to go that route and construction in and of itself takes a few months. And, um, I just made the decision to transfer markets. My parents, uh, lived in Frederick for the first like two years of their, uh, marriage and, it was on the list and I'm like, Oh, well they live there. So I can too. And it was like, it was the most, probably the most random decision I've ever made. Cause I'm a very calculated human being. So, um, and it was a great professional decision, but it definitely brought about challenges, not having that community that I would have had in Pennsylvania where I kind of knew people and could build off of that. Right. Okay. So one of the yeah. biggest challenges was you just didn't know anybody, but you were telling your story, the story of that, um, obviously you were looking for something fitness wise in college and that, that this was a good fit, especially where you felt like you weren't competing, competing against anyone. That's a powerful, yeah. powerful yeah. part of your story. That location did well for you. Um, tell me about your, your desire to make a transition though, because pretty soon you sold that franchise. Did you not? Yes, I did. I own a location in Hilton Head Island now. Um, Maryland was an incredible professional decision for me, but not a good personal one. Um, I really struggled to find a home there. It wasn't from the very, very beginning. It just wasn't a place that felt comfortable or felt right on a personal level. Um, and I what, had, what was it about it that it just didn't connect? Um, I grew up in a really small town. I went to college in a really small town. And then I was running a business in between two major cities. Like I was in the middle of DC and Baltimore. So it was just so different from anything I had ever known. And I think I was navigating so much of things that I have never known. And so to do that both professionally and personally at the same time was a lot. And I had lived in Hilton Head Island for about six months while my Maryland studio was under construction. We've always vacationed here. It's kind of like my second home. And I wanted to keep teaching while I was waiting for real estate and construction, all of that to fall together. And I fell in love with this studio and this area while I was here. So 
when I left to move to Maryland, I was dealing with kind of that, that personal sadness of leaving behind people and a place that I really cared about. And I didn't think that the Hilton Head Island location was ever going to be for sale. So it didn't feel like a realistic possibility for me to ever live here and do what I do right now. Um, the old owner had some life changes and decided to sell it. And I found out in July. So my studio opened in March of 2018. I found out in July of 2018 that she was going to sell. And it was just a full body. Yes. Like I didn't know if I was going to be able to sell my studio, if I was going to be able to make it happen. And I know that, um, as far as brick and mortar businesses, I'm a one business girl. I give it my entire heart. And it's important to me that my clients see my face on a daily basis. So um, having two locations was not something I was interested in, nor mm-hmm. something that I could have financially done. My business was demanding so much of me in Maryland that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to sell it. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I hadn't looked, I have a bookkeeper who is a lifesaver and she was kind of handling that part so that I could be present in my business. And I really didn't know what I was making. I was paying the bills and I knew that, but I didn't really know. I knew classes were full, but I just wasn't paying. I've never been a super super financially focused person in general. Mm-hmm. So I just wasn't too worried about if I was like rolling in it or not. Um, and so I had a conversation with her and she's like, Jenny, you can sell your business and probably for double what you put in. Um, wow. And that was like news to me without a doubt. And also just reassurance that this might have just been a chapter when in reality, when I went into Maryland, I was looking at it like it was a forever. Cause I mean, when you open a brick and mortar business, you feel like you're signing your life away. So, sure, sure. um, it was kind of, you know, it was a personal and professional. I felt like they were playing tug of war with each other. <laughs> hmm. Um, and so the decision was a tough one, but the ability to double my investment and fund the purchase of Hilton head is kind of what made the decision for me. That had to have felt, um, I've got to imagine it's got to like felt kind of lonely. Like, you know what I mean? Starting that without having connections and then yet you are connecting with people on a daily basis through the classes. Yeah. It was the low, it was the loneliest year of my life on a, on a personal level. I, I mean, professionally I had amazing clients, but you know, those connections, they only, they only go as deep as, I mean, you know, you're spending an hour a day with them in the context of holding space for them um, to get stronger and to feel better about themselves. And that's such a beautiful thing. But, um, as far as the connection on a personal level, that just didn't come for me in any realm. And, um, I was just out of college. So I was like navigating adult friendships in general, which are different. I mean, friendships shift when you're out of college because you're no longer like, Oh, I see you in communications class. So we're going to be friends. It's like, you have to be intentional um, about keeping up with those. And so being in a town where I was far away from that. And honestly, I was two hours for my family, but I could have been 35 hours from them because I had no time to go home and, and even mm-hmm. be, um, be present. So I think that lonely is a great word to describe mm-hmm. personally what that year was like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. Um, so how has the experience at Hilton head been different than it was in Maryland? You know what I mean? Like what, when you bought and how, how many months have you been there? I took over January 3rd. So, um, of not quite a year. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my goodness, you negotiate, you went through the whole sales process at 22, 23 years old, you're selling a business that's so powerful. Um, but Thank you, you. you got the you know, support of your family, which is great. How is this new location different? Like, how do you feel different? How have you approached it differently? Tell me about that. Uh, my mindset's different. I think when we're, 
living a life that's in alignment to us. We show up in all aspects of our life as a better human being. So I feel, um, I feel more centered here and I've, it's always been that way. Um, but I also, and I'm very sensitive to energy to places I've been that way my whole life. Like I'm just a sensitive person. And so, um, I think being somewhere where I feel safe and comfortable is just, it's just something that's very important to me. Um, I have friends that can be anywhere and just be like totally, you know, good and cool. And I've just like never really had that skill. So I think this place in general um, brings out a really good side of me. But as far as owning a business, I think I thought it was going to be easier to take over an existing business than it was to open one from the ground up. And the best way I can explain it is when you open a business, it's your book. You're opening a blank page. You're illustrating it however you want to, as beautifully as you want to. And you get to tell it from the very first page. So any mistakes, any like all of them are yours. And so you know them very detailed. And so taking over a business that's existed, the business was for when I took over, um, you know, it's like I'm rewriting. So I'm going back to that rough draft and I'm figuring out how to, you know, rewrite sentences in a better way. And, you know, I think anybody who's a writer or does anything, it's like when you go back and try to redo something, it's harder than just doing it the first time and kind of making those mistakes. So um, it was more challenging for me as far as how I do my daily job, taking over an existing business than it was opening one from the ground up. And that was something that surprised me. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be that way. And that, that surprises me because I would assume that franchises are run pretty similarly, but you're saying it just, there are different elements, whether it's marketing or customer service or. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, our franchise in particular, just cause we're a fitness studio. I mean, I went from owning a studio that was in the middle of two really big <laughs> cities where memberships that were monthly were consistent to, um, a studio that is on fire from Memorial day to labor day. And then it's like, we're just totally chilled out for the rest of the year. And our monthly memberships are a quarter of what they were in Maryland. So, you know, it's like, it's also dependent on the market too. It's not even so much the ownership as it is just the switch in location. And also, you know, clients knowing things being done one way for since it's existed to, well, I'm going to do it differently and just because I'm a different person, you know? Sure. So, um, yeah. Now, what, what percentage of, uh, your, um, individuals that are your clients are monthly, like you said, versus tourists that are coming in for a short period of time? You know, it kind of alternates cause we have, we have a lot of people that will come for multiple months. So that's a little different than like our weekly visitors. Like we're about ready to get into that season now, or we have people that will come from like, you know, October to February or whatever that looks like. But I would say on an average basis, we're almost always more tourists and more specialty visits than we are local clientele. And monthly memberships are really hard to build here because even if people have homes, a lot of them don't live here full time. So actually getting people to commit to a 12-month membership is so much more challenging than it was in a market where, I mean, Maryland, almost everybody lives there full-time. So it's, you know, sure. totally different ballgame. Yeah. And the people that are the tourists, they find you just through going on the Pure Bar website, or do you also market in places where tourists would find out about you? Yeah. Instagram is like our, that's our bread and butter. Yeah. It's, really? um, that's, I would, I would say that's where 
at least half, if not more, of our tourists hear about us. Um, and how and do they a lot come of them? How do they come across your Instagram account, or you're you're commenting on other people's accounts, or when they come? Yeah, or- we're pretty good at like you know playing the game of the Instagram algorithm, which <laughs> tends to shift and change with the times. But um, also, a lot of clients take Pure Bar at their studios in their hometown. So like when they're on vacation, they're already looking to continue that regimen. And so Instagram tends to be the place that um, they go right now, just because that's what's popular. I I would say our website gets a decent amount of traffic because that's where they go from our Instagram, but like it's linked in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also like to follow us like because we sell retail. I have, I have like a business through Instagram almost of people that don't, you know, don't live here that want to buy our clothes that see it on Instagram because every studio carries different ones. So they follow us for different reasons. And then when they're in town, it's really easy for them to just message and say, Hey, I'm in town for the week. What packages do you have? Um, and it's more of like a comfort conversation because as you know, our times are changing. So the calling and emailing and that kind of thing is like, they'd rather just click a button and have it, have it done. So yeah. 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 Now all of this, I think about you as a risk taker. Like I just go, oh my gosh, Jenna is a like a huge risk taker. This is amazing. Thank you. Um, but like, would you describe yourself as a risk taker? And is that something that has been a part of your life, you know, over the course of your life, or is it something you've more cultivated? I, I you know, I don't know if I would describe myself as a risk taker. It's it's funny. I it just it feels it almost feels natural to me. Like there's a lot of people that will draw attention to my age or at least that did, especially when I was going through the process of it all. It's just not something I really see. It's like when I decide I want something, there's very little that gets in my way of making that happen. And I think that that's a good and a bad thing because when our strengths are turned up too loud, they're weaknesses. Um, And so I have to remind myself every now and then, I think the biggest challenge for me is to live in the season that I'm in because I'm almost always thinking about what's next and it's hard to turn that down. And so that's been something in this season that I'm focusing on is like living right now. And it's okay to think about what's next, but like not letting that always be the loudest player in the game. Um, but as far as the going for it mentality, I think I've always had that. And I think I get that from my dad, nothing scares him at all. Um, and he kind of like led us that way of making sure that we're making educated decisions and that we're grounded in that, but also like never letting fear be the thing that holds us back um, and never looking back and saying, we wish we would have, like we were raised um, to believe that we could. And so I think that um, that mentality is just ingrained in me, but um, I've definitely been working on turning the down what's coming next and, you know, where, where should I be? And just kind of celebrating where I am. Living in the moment. Um, yeah. 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 So on challenging days, which I know you must have, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what's challenging, but like you're looking at the numbers or classes or, you know, people don't show up, whatever it is. What keeps you going? Like, how do you deal with those challenging days? How do you cope with those? My clients. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're the why behind what I do. And um, I think that for me, I believe that my purpose in this world is to hold space for people to step into all that they are. I'm, I'm just a natural, like I'll have people stop me in the grocery store and be like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Cause I don't know you. Um, that's just normal. It's like people open their hearts naturally. And so I've, I feel like that's my mission and that's why I do what I do. And so it goes so much deeper for me than just owning a fitness studio. Like to me, it's an opportunity to be a safe space for women to feel like they can get stronger and believe in themselves. And so um, that's what keeps me going because there are absolutely tough days. And, you know, when you own a franchise, like we're currently going through a change of ownership on the corporate level. And so 
Um, there's shifts and changes and things that I don't expect all of the time. And so that consistency, the one thing I can always depend on is the reason why I do what I do. I try to center myself on that on the tough days. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you feel like you're called to hold space for women to step into all that, you know, who they are. Um, is that something that you're doing? Are you helping women as well beyond the Pure Bar location? Are you doing some coaching or? Yes, I do coach. Um, it feels like a natural extension of what I do at Pure Bar. Um, I tend to, I'm a, I teach to my studio as well. And so my clients will often say I'm their teacher and their therapist because um, it's just, that's just kind of like what that space I feel like opens to. But um, coaching has been great. It's been a way to kind of step into that realm a little bit deeper. So I really, really enjoy that. And so if people are, would be interested, do you do that via Zoom as well or just on a local level? Yes, on, yes, via Zoom. Most of my clients are, are not local. So yeah. Okay. And, and so if somebody was interested in getting in touch with you to learn more about that, what would be the best um, website or connection point for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the most active on my Instagram. Um, so it's just at Jenna Irvin, J-E-N-N-A-I-R-V-I-N. And my website is linked through there as well. So you can just, there's like a little form on there and um, you can fill that out for a consultation. Awesome. All right. So yeah. we will um, put all of that in the show notes. Even if you're listening now, you can just swipe up on your phone and that'll be right in the show notes at Jenna Irvin, as well as her website. And you can go and learn more about how sh- you can get connected to her and, and uh, receive all this awesomeness that you're putting out <laughs> into the world. I love it. I love your energy. So uh, thank you. one last question. If, yeah. if someone is um, struggling today, and, and feeling like they're scared to take that next step, or maybe they're feeling like they don't have what it takes to take that next step. What would you, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'm a strong believer that, you know, we all have insecurities and fear all of the time. It's something that is present for every single one of us. But I also think that when that's limiting us from living in a way that we need to, or a way that we feel like we'll be in alignment, um, or that will fulfill us in a deeper level in a career sense. I think it's when we get out of tune with our intuition. So when we're into, we intuitively, we all know what we need. We all know what we're capable of, but the insecurities is when we allow the world to speak louder than that. So an exercise that I do with myself when that fear speaks loud or the insecurities are roaring over what I know my abilities are, Um, I try to come to silence. So whether that's like a minute in a room with the door closed, or um, I like to like get a hot shower um, and I'll just close my eyes and I'll ask myself like the question of whatever I'm struggling with. Like, you know, is this, is this relationship serving me? Is this business decision a good one? And I just kind of sit with whatever answer shows up first, because I'm a strong believer in that first answer being almost always the right answer. And um, just letting that fully process through because the world is loud and fast. And so giving yourself time to sit in stillness and move slow, um, a lot of times will bring you clarity on the things that you're struggling with. So just know that you're worthy of that space and know that your fear and insecurities only have power if you give it to them. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna. It's great to, Thank great you to so be much. with you today. Yeah, it's great to be here. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jenna and I encourage you to check out all of her links in the show notes by swiping up on your phone or going over to our website at insporising.com. And if you think this interview would be helpful or inspiring to a friend, be sure to share it. Take a screenshot on your phone and text it right to them. Tell them to listen to the Inspiration Rising podcast on the Apple or Google podcast app or on Spotify. 
All right, until next time, have a wonderful week.